This is 365 Tech by Suites. Today, I'm gonna talk about how brick hacks ended up. I'm driving back from Rochester right now, so we'll talk about some of the lessons I learned, how our project went overall, and what happened in the concluding hours of the hackathon, as well as my thoughts of uh, a couple of the different aspects of the technologies that we had built into our project, such as Arduino, Google's Firebase, and Google Assistant Software Developer Kit. submit the project this morning, we went through a site called DevPost. It's a website where you get to submit your project, attach photos, link and assign the different awards that you're applying for with your project, and then add all your team members as well so that they can get credit. When we were submitting on there, I, I did the submission this time. The last time I saw DevPost was at my first hackathon up in Quebec, Nick Hacks 2016. And it was a good process because it's a site that I'm able to link with a lot of recruiters and other university resources when I'm trying to find full-time jobs or other opportunities, such as other hackathons, actually. When I apply to hackathons, a lot of times they'll ask for my dev post to see what my submissions have been in the past. And then as judging is going on, I had to leave before judging was going, but when judging is going on, everybody at the hackathon can scroll through and see what other people's projects were. They can click the link and, and view the demo sites if they have them. With the case of our project, you can see the Google Assistant skill in the Google Assistant application, the link to that, as well as the, the sample intense or the sample utterances that you can use to trigger that. Overall takeaways, not necessarily sure that I want to in the future take entirely random teams, maybe have a little bit more structure. This time when I did the Slack message or when I when I found my team, I just got the first people that messaged me back that were interested in the project I was working on because I assumed if they were interested in the project that I was working on and they were the first people, then they would be passionate about it enough and motivated enough to learn on their own and to try to overcome any sort of technical gaps that they might have. But I think when thinking about that, I, I forgot or maybe I just didn't consider strongly enough my lack of knowledge because when I would hit things like hardware issues or issues with parts of the code that I didn't necessarily know too well, I had to fall back on my teammates and all of my teammates were first time hackathoners and a couple of them weren't the strongest coders. So I wasn't able to fall back on them. Instead I had to like try to reach out and plug three different holes with my feet and toes while trying to do what I was initially doing, driving the ship. So a little bit of difficulty there. But overall I liked the hackathon. I thought they had a lot of good structure. When I showed back up this morning, I was walking around and everybody was passed out. They still had secure judges, security all around the building, which is crazy. They had people there 24-7. They had mentors there all the time. So I was still able to get mentors to help when we were crunch timing on the project. But there were people passed out all over. They were still serving sushi and they had bagels and donuts for the morning. They had morning yoga and then they had a bunch more swag items to give out throughout the day. Again, I had to leave before the, the, the actual judging began. So what we did is I took a film of the project and I kind of broke down the video before we went into filming to talk about all the different aspects of the project that I thought we wanted to go over in real-time judging. So first, start off with our elevator pitch. What is our project? What is it that we're doing? Second, talk about each of the team members, where they're from, their experiences with hackathons in the past, and what they contributed to this project specifically. After that, we went into the, the technical, the actual like guts of the project. So how did Google, how did we build out the Google Home interaction? What were our design principles there? What kind of interactions did we build out on the Arduino side? And what were the challenges that we hit there? That's something that I like to spend a lot of time with, especially when talking to judges, because they want to hear what the problems are with the technologies. And sometimes those problems are on the side of the developers using them, and other times they're just bugs that need to be fixed with the system. For example, in our project, we hit a couple problems where 
passing data between the microcontroller, the Arduino in this case, and our web service, Firebase in this case, was difficult because we didn't have Wi-Fi capabilities. I, I forgot that we didn't have Wi-Fi capabilities, so that was my fault, not knowing that. The group that was sitting next to me was using an, an armband as an IoT device to control their mouse. So in, as they would move their arm, the mouse would respond on the screen and you open your hand and it's a right click and you close your hand and it's a left click. And there were different movements like scissoring your hands and, and other movements with your fingers that you could do to do different actions. The problem with that was it's a little bit laggy and the movement that you do isn't reproduced exactly or in real time. So that's a limit by the technology though. So these are different things that judges like hearing when you're talking about it. So we talked about some of those flaws that we hit as well and some of the walls that we had to overcome and how we did it. This morning our Arduino board didn't work. So I was ready to just quit and just film it and talk about how it was supposed to work. But we still had like two hours left, so my team decided to run over the hardware table. We got a new Arduino, it was an Arduino Uno, and then we had to figure out how to transfer all of the pins and pinouts that we had over the new Arduino. That was freaking difficult. I none of nobody on my team was super strong in hardware so we all had to figure it out but it was actually kind of cool to figure it out and to not be following a, an instruction book step by step but to try to figure out to try to understand what each pin was doing what each jumper cable was doing and then how to translate that knowledge over to the new arduino board what's going on 365 tech zane rods from the again look what you're doing you're almost sort of inventing the vlog on voice but anyway could you just share your thoughts on how uh, coders just as, like myself starting out can get started on hackathons like who organized your hackathon that you just recorded and there's this one site called angel hack which i'm looking at that they're starting to do hackathons do you have any opinion on them what's your favorite hackathon like Organizer Yogi. You could tell me that. That'd be great. Thank you. Keep up the great work. And good luck on the show. Zane, thank you for calling in again. I love having your opinion on the show. My first hackathon was in Quebec. All of going to your original question. The biggest organizer that I go through is MLH, Major League Hacking. They're, they have their 2017, well 2018 schedule online. You can just Google MLH. Major League Hacking is only open to college students under college students in the United no international. They have North America and different continental regions, but they have their seasons online, so you can just scroll through and see where they're at. They're all sorted by time. If you're a non-student, then you can find a lot of them on meetups. The list that you sent me, Angel Hack, that looks like a pretty cool resource. I like the mission statement that they had printed on their website. I did a little digging around into them when when I saw your column and. They look like a good resource for uh, finding hackathons if you're a non-student. They have a good mission of trying to produce not just well-written code, but to have code with a purpose. And they're generating hackathons that are mission-driven so that we can create new solutions to problems and have, have technology act as a tool rather than the final solution. Having technologies be an augmentation of human life rather than something to take over it. So I like that meeting. And hackathons overall, how I found the first one, I just Googled hackathons 20, so in, when I joined, hackathons 2016. I just Googled that and I found this uh, hack, it was a GitHub project. Let me see if I still have it listed. It's Hackalist. And Hackalist is a list of upcoming hackathons and there's a couple different checkboxes you can toggle on there. So I remember my first search that I did, I toggled on travel reimbursement. So only show me hackathons that offer travel reimbursement. 
only show me hackathons that are open to high school students because I like more diverse audiences and show me only hackathons that are in the United States. And then that gave me a list and found the ones that I wanted to do and signed up to them. I usually like to apply to them in bulk because I don't like rejection. So you can kind of mitigate rejection just by applying to more things. So I apply to a lot of them. And then when you hear back from them in the future, you get to pick the ones that you want because hackathons are all free. At least the ones that I do. I guess non-students may have to pay for hackathons. But students, hackathons are always free. So there's no real obligation. And this, so there's nothing but your return on investment is only going to be positive. The worst thing that happens is you make one person upset and they'll get over it because hackathons are dope and there's lots of things to not be upset about. Once you find a good hackathon to go to, they generally will send you an email a week before or two weeks before the event letting you know all the logistics for the event. Good hackathons are going to send you Slack invites because Slack is the messaging platform for programmers and developers and tech people. Once you're in Slack, they'll usually have a team building channel where you can start to talk to people about what team you want to be on, what your project ideas are, and start meeting the other people who are going to be attending the hackathons with you. If, they, if they're not a good hackathon, then what they'll have is simply a team building event at the, at the start of the hackathon where they'll usually just have a big room and they'll dump all the people who don't have a team in there and then they'll just say, figure it out. So then how that usually breaks down is a big old game of middle school and you'll see people break out into little circles. A cool kid will be talking about this awesome project that he wants to build and everybody will just talk about that project for a while and then you'll see smaller and smaller groups break out until there are just a couple people left talking about ideas that they don't know if they can necessarily build. You don't want to be one of those last people. So try to discuss, figure out where your skills line with your desires and your passions. So you can find a project that not only sounds cool, but you can learn more about the technologies that go into making a solution there. And then meet with a team who's just as passionate about it as you are. So you guys can collaborate together, hit walls together and continue to learn and make an awesome product. So that at the end you can apply for good, awesome awards, win some prizes, have projects that you build. So that way when you go to apply for full-time jobs, you've already got projects and experience under your belt. And then you'll have a good time meeting new people. I stay in touch through social medias with a lot of the people that I've met at past hackathons. Just they'll see the projects that I'm working on in the hackathons that I'm going to and they'll message me and we'll just get a little nostalgic about the hackathon that we were at when we were young and dumb. And now where they're at now, working at big companies and wherever they're at. The people that you meet at hackathons are different kinds of people from the people that I meet in college. Because the computer science major kids aren't necessarily the same people that you see at hackathons. Hackathons don't just include computer scientists. You've got designers, you've got makers who are electrical and computer engineers, you've got designers who are like art students. You have, I'll, I'll see people from ag departments who come in. You'll, you'll, you don't need to be a computer science major in order to be at a hackathon. And I think that's something, a limiting belief that a lot of people have. Hackathons need more well-rounded teams. The more different diverse perspectives you have coming onto a team, the more you're able to address challenge that you see when you're trying to build your product. Thanks for the call in, Zane. Really love having you on the show. Hope to hear from you again.